Hi, Jerry. Greg Brady. Ah. Hi, Greg. What's up? Look, I'm calling about that playbook you swiped. Are you kidding? Me swipe your playbook? I'm just trying to do you a favor, Jerry. Some favor? Calling me a crook? Let me put it this way. The book's a fake. I made up every play in it. I said I didn't take it. But even if I did, why would you be telling me? Because it's not fair to your team. Look, man, the book's a phony. You're the phony, Greg. But thanks for the phone call. Everybody and welcome to the Nightfly Podcast, May 2020 edition. May the 4th be with you, although I believe today is May the 5th. <laughs> so why did I say that? I'm all Star wars up and ready to go. Hello, everybody, and I hope everybody's doing okay. Welcome to another podcast recording on Sunday. May 3rd, on a beautiful day here in New York City, where everyone's outside and nobody should be, and it's way too crowded and things are bleak. But we have the podcast to keep you going. Oh, I've got stories for you today. I be prepared to be amazed and wondered and whatever I'm saying, but be prepared. This is going to be a hell of a podcast. Stay tuned, everybody. It's the Nightfly. All right, let's get things going. Uh, Hello, and again, I hope everybody is doing well in these troubling times. Again, every fucking ad. Playing a little Brady Bunch up front. I just saw that episode today. Uh, Look, the playbook's a phony. Hey, Greg, I don't know what you're talking about. Meanwhile, that kid who I thought was Michael Keaton all these years, he he definitely had that same look. I mean, that guy could have been Michael Keaton probably if he was smarter. I don't know what happened. I looked him up a little bit, and he's in four episodes of The Brady Bunch, the kid that stole the playbook. He also sells Greg the car. He's like Fast Eddie or something. He's in four episodes. <laughs> um, I think he also is the guy that has his first apartment where Greg you know, decides to take over the den. Fascinating, right? Because, uh, you know, we just... They could do that back then because they just didn't know about syndication or anything that you would. It's probably the last of the shows to just have uh, people play different characters who are the same people until they figured out that, like, well, can we really do that? But now that me and the comic book guy are alive, uh, we can uh, seek those out and we find them great. What a character actor this kid is, huh? Even though he's always playing the exact same character all the time, but he was good looking. Good-looking kid. Really gave that Michael Keaton kind of appeal. So he was uh, very dangerous. Don't know whatever happened to him. I mean, he looked like he was in a lot of stuff. I think he's still alive. But really never to be heard from again in many ways. Too bad. He was hilarious. Just like Nicholas Hammond, my hero. Nicholas Hammond, who uh, is Doug Simpson, big man on campus. And uh, in The Sound of Music... Um, as we were pointed out on the big uh, call-in show by our friends from North Carolina. (laughs) 
and um that's andrew i'm talking about and uh and of course with the television version of spider-man and was in the martian chronicles the ray bradbury story brought to television life by nbc back in the all back in the 70s when there was nothing to watch and most television really kind of sucked because it doesn't hold up at all anymore everything is slow and boring but I'm watching a lot of new television now, and I will tell you about it shortly. First, I must open today by telling you what happened to me this week. Now, I am giving you this, uh, uh, bringing you this podcast under a little bit of duress. I'm very dizzy. I've been dizzy for two weeks. I think I reported that last week. Um, no more headaches, just dizziness today. I was going back and forth a combination of dizziness and headaches. Now, let me tell you this story. I believe I told you uh, when I recorded the podcast on Monday that the next day I was going to go to the city MD because I can't figure out what's causing all this dizziness. So I went to the city MD on Tuesday. Also, I heard that was the first day they were giving out antibody tests. So I figure if I go down there and there's not a big line, I'll go in and see what's going on. There was no line, which was surprising since that was the first day of the antibody test. But I went in and... um Saw a doctor, saw, and he was wearing a hazmat suit. It was ridiculous. I get it, but it still just is horrible. And they took my EKGs and some blood, and the doctor brought back my EKG and said, you have to go to the emergency room right now. You're having a heart attack and a stroke or and or a stroke, maybe both. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, do you have any chest pains? And I'm, you know, is your heart racing? And I'm like, well, it is now that you told me I'm having a heart attack, you dumb quack. So he's like, no, see this spike? That's not normal. That's not normal. Do you want me to call an ambulance or can you get there on your own in a taxi? And I'm like, I'll get there on my own. But are you positive about this? Because I remember my old primary care doctor telling me my EKGs are weird and not normal, just like you're saying. He goes, well, that is not normal. So I don't know. Who's your primary care doctor? I'm like, well, I don't see him anymore. I mean, he, you know, then I have to tell everybody he became a concierge service and I can't afford the $1,000 a year to go see him when I only go to the doctor twice a year. I mean, I could probably afford it, but... I only go twice a year, although I suppose the older I get, I'll be going more. But I really go twice a year. I go for something like this, disease and headedness, and a checkup. So until, you know, I start going more, $1,000 a year is just not worth it. Plus, I don't even think he takes my insurance. So he can't give him $1,000 a year, and he won't take my insurance. That doesn't add up at all. It seems like if you're paying him $1,000 a year, you should just take any insurance you have. Anyway, I'm not, I decided I'm, I'm not getting in a cab. I walk up to the hospital. This is the hospital that fixed me up when I sat on the glass table, Cornell Hospital up on uh, York Avenue and 70th Street or so. And I walked the 20 blocks from 50th and 2nd to 70th in York. Some 20 odd blocks, probably like a mile. And uh, I walk with my heart attack happening because I'm like, I really don't, you know, besides feeling dizzy, I really don't feel like I'm going to die on this walk. And if I really feel like I'm going to die, or fall over, I'll get in a taxi. But I think I can make it, which is ridiculous, right? I'm walking with my heart attack. I just don't believe the guy. I don't know why. So, I mean, all the symptoms do show 
I could be having a heart attack or there's some sort of brain function that's not functioning correct and I'm going to pass out. So I definitely always feel like I'm going to pass out. Like right now as I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm going to pass out. But I'm going through it anyway. Anyway, I get to the emergency room. I, I call my friend, uh, you know, Elena from the nurse from uh, who's working at the hospital. You know, I call her and I say, uh, I'm going to the hospital because they say I'm having a heart attack. She's like, you're not having a heart attack. You have the dizziness and stuff. You're the third person I know that's going, you know, and it's all anxiety. Everybody has anxiety. Uh, you know, third person I know that's going, but it's good that you're going to Cornell. They, My friend just told me they have zero. They got nothing. They're empty there. They're empty. Apparently, it was a huge COVID place for a while, and now it's just empty. There was no one in the emergency room. I mean, it was a dream come true if you got to go to the hospital at this juncture and I mean, really, and you've heard, you know, horrible stories, and the emergency room was, nobody's in there. And I walked in right away to see the doctor. Once again, they took blood and my EKGs again, and the doctor came and said, yeah, your EKGs are fucked up. Are you having a heart attack? And I'm like, what the hell is the matter with everybody? I, If you call my primary, my old primary care doctor, if you can get in touch with them, I'm sure he'll tell you. I mean, I wasn't positive, but I was like, I don't know. You should really check with them because... I think there's something up with my heart that works differently than apparently everybody else's on earth. So they get in touch with my prime, my old primary care doctor and he confirms, he goes, yeah, he told me, uh, you're a weirdo. And uh, I mean, I remember my doctor explaining it to me. He goes, well, if everybody's heart goes right to left, yours goes left to right. And I don't know why, but it's funny. Of course, as I'm talking about it, I'm already getting lightheaded and I'm feeling like I'm having a stroke because, you know, I make myself, I get anxiety in fact, when they released me from the hospital, they just put on my discharge forms, Jewy, which I thought was very anti-Semitic, but now I know that I think that's an actual medical term. Ever since the COVID uh, thing, they've just coined the actual term Jewy. It's a, it turned out it's no longer anti-Semitic. It would have been years ago, but uh, you know, even if you're not Jewish, I think they're just Jewy. <laughs> so they couldn't figure out still what was causing the dizziness i it turned out that the doctor who was in the emergency room was a neurologist and he was with a young kid it's a teaching hospital so he was there to guide the kid and he was asking me all these questions and he said well you know that doctor's a neurologist um and i go well will he maybe i should see one and he goes well he's not taking any new patients i'm like well great so they gave me a vertigo test you know and he was was like hitting me he's like come on fight back and for some reason that's some sort of therapy i don't know I can't really explain it. And um, uh, and then later afterwards, he you know he couldn't find any vertigo and they can't figure out what the headaches are caused or whatever. And the guy came back and he said, hey, he said he will take you as a patient if you want to um, you know give him a call. Here's his number, which was really nice. And they just let me go without no. I'm like, well, is there anything I can take? Can I take aspirin? What can what can I do? He's like, I don't know. Just keep trying things that. Uh, you know, they gave me all this blood tests and all my work is fine. You know, my liver, my kidneys, there's no blood clots. There's, there's no blockage. Everything is good. They're like, your electrolytes are good, like everything. So all the water I was drinking is, you know, that apparently that's not the case. So I come home, you know, I'm still dizzy and I'm still getting headaches. I came home on Tuesday. Meanwhile, I come home Tuesday from the hospital. I mean, here's the, here's the worst part. I had no one to call. There's nothing worse than going to the emergency room by yourself as if this thing could get any lonelier going to the emergency emergency room by yourself which of course everybody has to do now is horrible 
But, you know, I was trying to call people that maybe would sit with me while I'm waiting in the emergency room. There was definitely people there that were with other people, um, you know, because it takes a while to get discharged and stuff. And I'm like, you know, there's nobody for me to call. Everybody left town. There's nobody to call. Even my neighbor left town for a week. There's like no one who could come up and just kind of sit with me for a little bit because it's very upsetting being in the hospital by yourself. And uh, the only person I could think of that might come would be Alga because I know she had a car and she'd been driving around and she might have come back to the city, but she wasn't around either. I just texted a bunch of people. I didn't ask them to come, but I was just seeing what their story was. And I didn't want to get on the phone and talk to people because I thought that was rude for some reason. But texting seemed okay. You know, meanwhile, you just, you know, my mother said, oh, I haven't heard from you today. And I texted her back. I'm in the hospital. They thought I had a heart attack, but everything's fine. I'll, I'll call you later. And no response. You know, then I finally got a call, a text from my sister. She's like, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, I know my mother called my sister, but it's just kind of funny to not respond at all. Like, they should at least say, I'll call Beth or whatever. There was like no response. I I yelled at her. I'm like, you're telling me you find me. You know, I'm like, what'd you do? Text and then put down your phone and then just forget about it? But, um, yeah, so that, 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 you know, that's no fun. But uh, it's all right. And at least it was a you know not a horrible day outside, and I left and I walked home, and I was walking down First Avenue, and I, you know, remember I told you I wanted to eat more proteins. I thought maybe that was the problem, so I saw this fish market open. There hasn't been any sushi available at all, and I went to this fish market, and this guy uh, was making sushi for everybody. I'm like, uh, are you still making sushi? He goes, well, I can't now. I'm very busy. The dog need food. Um. But he was like, maybe I can get it to you by 8.30 or something. I was like, oh, that's fine. And, uh, yeah, he sent it over, and I, I had sushi for dinner. It was delicious. It's funny going out and just walking downtown and going to the sushi place. Hey, you still serving? Like right after you thought you had a heart attack. I'm like, hey, you're all right. Uh, but I went home, and I uh, figured, well, I think I can treat myself today. But, you know, I was still... Well, you know, maybe I was feeling a little better because I had just got, you know, everything was fine, you know, all my blood work, and I called Alina, and she's like, no, you're fine. You got all this done. She she knew all the tests, and she goes, oh, you got that? Oh, my God, that's great. Your your levels are really good and all these things. Boy, they really did all the tests for you in one day. That's amazing. And I'm like, great. So I felt a little better as if everything had gone away that day because it it, it must have something to do with stress and anxiety. So the next day I woke up and I was still stressed. Uh, I guess, I mean, still had the dizziness and headaches. And I talked to Sarah Silverman and she's like, you know what you need to do? Because I had texted her and she's like, you know, she wanted to make sure I was okay. And she's like, look, I'll pay the thousand dollars. Go see that primary guy. I'm like, it's not, it's not about the money. It's just, you know, (laughs) well, it is, but it's just, you know, it's the principle of the thing. Why should I have to pay an extra thousand dollars? You know, when you you're paying for insurance and everything, you know, it's just, but she's like, but if you, you know, he's going to be able to check you out and find out what this is. I'm like, that's very kind of you, but uh, I'll let you know, you know, but she's like, just take the day. Don't think about anything and just stay in bed and take a day off. I mean, I, I know we all take a day off, but we're all thinking about stuff and trying to be productive. And I'm like, maybe she's right. I'll just lay in bed. I laid in bed all day on Wednesday. This was Wednesday. I laid in bed all day. Never, like never left the bed, watched TV, slept a lot. And then when I woke up on Thursday, do I have the timing right? Yeah. No, no, maybe it was, 
I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. So I woke. I guess I woke up on Thursday and decided I'm going to muddle through today. I think it was a bad weather day. I said, I'm going to muddle through today. I don't care that I'm, I have this blockage, this fog, this brain fog. Uh, I got to muddle through. I'm going to pretend like everything's okay. Kind of what I'm doing right now. I got to muddle through. I got to just pick up and do stuff. So I went outside. I cleaned the kitchen. I actually did some writing. I'm trying to come up with, um, you know, uh, virtual comedy shows because I'm never going to be able to make money booking a live comedy show again. So I got to come up with something else. And I came up with an idea. I'll tell you next week. Uh, you know, and I went out and I got some Zyrtec too. I figured maybe it's some sort of allergy. Maybe there's pressure on my sinuses. Let me try that. Let me try anything. So I went outside. I did everything. I felt pretty good. And it's funny. While I was writing, I'm like, the Zyrtec's working. It's, I took it about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I was not feeling the brain fog anymore. It like went away, kind of. But then it kept coming back. You know, then later it came back again. It goes back and forth. And then around 8 o'clock... <laughs> I was talking to Joe Messina and he had asked me if I'd gotten this money from the government. And I'm like, no, I haven't gotten it yet. And he's like, what well, did you check? And I'm like, no, I don't want to look at my bank account. I look at my bank account. The money's there. All of a sudden, everything goes away. The headaches, no, uh, no dizziness, nothing. The next day I wake up, everything's perfectly fine. I got no dizziness. I got no headaches. I'm like going out. I'm like getting high. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be all right. Woo. Yeah. I'm listening to music. I'm like playing the air guitar. <laughs> like, uh, hey, oh. <laughs> like, I mean, again, diagnosed Jewy. Uh, <laughs> you know, Saturday, I wake up. Everything's still good. You know, because I'm thinking I got, oh, I got money. I could pay my rent now. You know, everything is good. I guess I was pressured i was stressed out so i go uh i meet alina we go walk in we get a little high you know sarah was like hey maybe we could meet up we could smoke our own separate joints and i'm like well that's no fun you know i mean the fun of smoking a joint with somebody is passing it around but duh can't do that anymore but i mean if i smoke my own separate joint i'm gonna get way too high that's the only problem with that you know i like taking two puffs and walking away uh that's always good enough for me, you know? So, but uh, anyway, it's funny because Alina did the same thing. She rolled two separate joints. We sat on a bench and we got high. And it was a super fun day out in the sun. Can you imagine sitting on a bench by the water, by the East River? It was lovely. But I got way too high. <laughs> I started getting paranoid. And uh, classic, you know. And then when I got home, I was like way too high. Starting to get dizzy again. Starting to freak out. And um, we we had gone to McDonald's because, you know, she's a nurse, so she gets a discount. So I, she's like, oh, let's get um, iced coffee from McDonald's. They got excellent coffee there. And she goes, oh, I have a discount at McDonald's because I'm a nurse. And I'm like, great. She goes, yeah, but I forgot to bring my uh, ID. And I'm like, well, that's – well, what good is that? I was hoping to enjoy some of the benefits of hanging around with a nurse. Um. But we got some like mocha frappuccinos, so they were sugary and stuff. So I'm like, you know, now I'm like, really high. But then, of course, we went to McDonald's. I'm like, now I got to order McDonald's for dinner. I can't just walk into McDonald's, get that, and not think about McDonald's. So then, then I ordered McDonald's for dinner like an idiot, too. 
But then I found out that the Comedy Cellar wanted me on their uh, podcast last or their uh, virtual show last night, their live show at eight thirty every night on YouTube. And um, it was like six thirty at this time, so I said sure, you know, because I didn't want to go. I was like, God oh, damn it, I'm high. But I figured in two hours I can get over it, which I did, and I didn't want to turn them down. And it was I was so glad I did it because all my favorite people were on last night. You can see it on YouTube if you look up Comedy Cellar. I think live, um, me. Jessica Curson, Mateo, Mateo Lane, and Yamanika, and Gnome, and Esty. And they were really giving me a lot of shit. You know, you love it. <laughs> it's like they're just like, uh, Esty's like, oh, I can't wait to book everybody again. And, put the, you know, except Juskow. Uh, you know, they're, <laughs> they're all giving me shit, uh, which who doesn't love? And it was really funny. And we had a good time, you know, until Gnome makes it all serious and stuff with his. You know, they're making it so serious, and they think they're talking about Jessica's father dying, and then they're talking about Yamanika putting out that amazingly hilarious video, but she had to take it down for all these uh, ethnic reasons and stuff. And then I go, hey, isn't the new press secretary hot? That's what I bring to the table, folks. When things are bleak, you call in Juskow, and he says something stupid, and that is what I do. And this is where I'm good, and that's why stand-up comedy isn't for me. But these kind of shows are, and a podcast like this is. Because that's why I'm good on other people's podcast. I say stupid stuff, and the people have spoken, and they love it. You're welcome. Anyway, last night, I finally end up going to sleep, and I can feel myself just getting dizzy as I'm sleeping again. It's like coming back, and I'm like, maybe, you know, getting high, like, triggered it or something. I'm dizzy right now. I'm still feeling it. Friday, I called the neurologist, and we have a video appointment set up on Tuesday. Since it's come back now, it must be stress related because I think I'm thinking now, well, thank God I got that money, but that money's not enough to, you know, get by. So now I'm stressing myself out again. I really do. But you know what I got? I keep taking the Zyrtec because I wasn't sure if it was the Zyrtec or just the anxiety. What I probably should do is keep taking um, Xanax for a little bit to try and relax and see if it really is a stress-related thing, which you know it must be, but it's just lasted so long. But how does it just go away and come back? Then uh, Sarah's manager told me she had it, and she goes, you know, it just goes away, but it could also be apparently Chris Cuomo, who had the virus, uh, said it is a – that head is indigenous are symptoms, and – he had this brain fog for a long time, and it does go away eventually, but it was an after-effect symptom of the COVID virus. So is it possible that after I said I might have had it, I thought I had it in March, did I possibly have it? And this is an aftershock, you might say. So I probably need to get that stupid antibody test, which I wanted to get at the city MD, but once they were rushing me to the hospital, he goes, no, we can't give you any more tests. And then I go to the hospital. I'm like, can you guys give me an antibody? They're like, we don't do that. But you have to also ask yourself, if I have dizziness and headaches, and let's say those aren't the symptoms at this time for the coronavirus, if you don't know what's causing it, why, if I'm in the hospital, are you not immediately just giving me a coronavirus test? What's the holdup? If you have no answers for what it is, why don't I automatically get a test? How long does that take? Two seconds? I, I don't understand. How do they let somebody leave and say, you know, Damn it, we should have tested him for corona. I mean, that's kind of weird. I didn't want that test because I heard that swab goes up your nose pretty far. It's pretty yucky. But, I mean, I don't understand why it wasn't just, here we are. We're not busy. Let's give him the corona test. What are we doing? 
Why aren't we giving that? So I don't know what the fuck is going on. I hope this thing goes away. It's like the spinning is like it's not major spinning, but it's like I'm hungover. It's a next day hangover. That's what it is, which maybe I am right now in a sense because maybe the pod is reacting. Maybe I am. I have some sort of virus and I shouldn't be probably getting high. Uh, I just thought I was so good. Yeah, I was like ready to party. I didn't even drink or anything, but I, you know, I was so happy that it uh, relieved and that I had some, you know, I could pay some bills and stuff. You know, I mean, everybody's got the same thing going on, but, uh, you know, apparently I stress more than others. And uh, again, I'll give you that diagnosis, Jewy. I don't know why I'm, I mean, and it's an internal stress. I'm not like thinking about it. And that's the thing, you know, when I sleep, it comes out because I must be, there's the, my dreams are certainly stressing me and you know, you're, it's an internal stress that I'm probably not talking about. I should probably, you know, talk to a therapist and get it out. And if I get it out, maybe, and just be honest, but I really don't feel that stressed, you know, like that's the thing, but it, there must be some internal thing that's happening in my brain. That's making me stressed like everybody else I'm saying, but there must be another way to get it out of my system somehow. I don't, I'm not sure how. <laughs> By the way, the doctor at the CDMD is like, well, have you been having diarrhea? And I'm like, sir, let me explain something to you about the way I am and the uh, the person I am. <laughs> I have diarrhea every day. So I would not be able to tell if diarrhea was a symptom of having a heart attack or the coronavirus. <laughs> It's like Sarah's joke about that thing in Israel where they had, if you've had diarrhea in the past three weeks, you can't go in the pool. And she goes, I don't know a three-week period. <laughs> that was the best. And it's funny when you tell a doctor that and he's just staring at you like you're a lunatic. You know, I mean, you're trying to make jokes because it's so goddamn stupid. Um, but, you know, if somebody asks you if you have diarrhea, I don't see how you can't make a joke about it. Meanwhile, I'm in the fucking hospital and the guy next to me is this, asshole who's screaming about stuff he's a horrible patient and he's like oh what are you doing are you crazy he's like screaming about so i need water he's like a horrible patient you're like what an asshole i really wanted to get a look at him he was older and he sounded old and he's like but he was screaming i gotta make it's coming i have to make like he had to make a duty uh and he's screaming and they got him a bedpan and i'm like oh jesus christ i <laughs> This is going to be disgusting. You know, it's like uh, I, when I was bleeding from my ass, I was screaming because they were putting pressure on myself. That's something. But if you're in the hospital during this time, you got to relax and uh, know that the nurses are doing the best they can and just shut the fuck up. He's like, he's telling me he's going to sue them. You're abusing me. I mean, what an asshole. I really wish I could have gotten a look at this guy. I almost went over there and said, can you shut up? These people are doing the best they can. You think anybody wants to be here today? I have to go. It's coming. I mean, I get that, but that's the other thing too. If you're in the hospital and you actually have to make a duty, that's weird. Most times, like when I was in jail and when I'm thinking about when I got cut on the glass table, I didn't make a duty for a week. The The body finds a way. <laughs> But if you have a community toilet and you're in prison uh, and, you know, you're not, you know, you're not going to be there for a week, you, you, your body finds a way to hold that in. Not even a thing. The only thing I did in that jail uh, was pee. 
And that was uh, after lots of thought. I'm like, should I do it? Could I do it? Can I possibly do it in front of these people? Yipes. It found a way. And that's the worst part, too. I was, you know what I was really angry about? I was angry about my hair. You know, when I thought, when they told me I was having a heart attack, I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. What a waste of money. I can't believe I'm not going to see the end of this fucking thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that was making me ridiculous. I'm like, what a waste of time that I did that. On the flip side of that now, my hair is so big and, but you know, because it hasn't been cut and it's growing out and it's grayer. It looks terrific. I know it's not growing in yet and everything, but it really looks full and it looks amazing. And I have to keep getting the hair out of my eyes. Oh my God, you guys. When I go out at seven o'clock and the wind's blowing, I'm like, oh my God, my hair's in my eyes. <laughs> uh, I do a head flip. I mean, it's kind of exciting. But I'm sorry, when you're having a heart attack or when you think, you know, they tell you you are fucking quack. Um, this guy doesn't know how to read an AKG. Uh, yeah, I want to go back to that guy. I want to go back and get the antibody. He goes, did you have that heart attack? Yeah, no, I didn't. You're a moron. Now give me that antibody test, you quack. I mean, right? Um, I've never seen anything like this before in all my years. <laughs> That's the worst doctor ever. Um, anyway, uh. Yeah, that's all I could think about. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Why did I get this done? What a complete waste of time, let alone, you know, now I'm just thinking, what a waste of time. What an actual waste of time. But, you know, if this is the way it is, I do, I mean, I did get it to look good on virtual reasoning, you know, <laughs> I mean, I that's what I got it done for. I didn't want to see my face on camera, uh, you know, so I, it does make me feel better. I've been, you know, I, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Huh? Hey, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? So that stuff I wanted to tell you. Uh, probably um, lots of other stuff I had to say. I uh, There's so much stuff I have to say. I've got it all written down. Uh, but before I continue, and we're going to talk to Rachel Feinstein today too because, uh, well, we wanted to talk to Rachel. I mean, first of all, she's hilarious, but she's pregnant and due in about 18 goddamn days. I mean, when this comes out, probably less, like 15 days. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being pregnant at this point? I mean, this is a disaster. Is she? Ner- she's handling, I mean, you know what? Let's just call her now and you'll see. Um, we'll talk to her because she's handling it so well. So let's just, we'll, uh, let's, uh, let's pick her up right now. I got her on the phone. Hey, hello, Rachel. Yes. <laughs> I'm here. It's fantastic to hear your voice. Um, you always say my name like you're so dis- you're still disgusted that I never changed it. I really what am. <laughs> I mean, I really am. I really got a problem with it. I, I, the, the, at least I finally figured out it's Rachel Feinstein, which is even more Jewy than I could possibly imagine. I, it, at Rachel Feinstein would actually be less Jewy. Yeah, I think you're right. And then you know, I know that it is pronounced Rachel Feinstein. So you have the fine and the stein, which is ridiculous. You're never going to get worked that way. I know. Well, remember, you always told me that. Yeah, I did. And meanwhile, I am here to eat my words because uh, Rachel has got a pilot on Fox, uh, <laughs> which is a, a, a miracle, uh, which is kind of awesome because Fox doesn't have any sitcoms right now. So I guess they're trying again, which is really good. And you have a, you know, well, you're... we're writing the script now. Yeah. Yeah. No, ex- we, we sold the script. So Fox. Right. Which is exciting, and it's, uh, you know, it's going to be... I mean, uh, like I said about Rachel, 
is, and I've said this on the podcast before, is somehow once, I don't know what it, I mean, I can say it's once you met Pete, but that's not what it is. As a comic, you've, you've blossomed as a comic. I've told you this before, and I've talked about it on the podcast. You've, you've gone to this next level of stand up comedy, which is really terrific. Um, and now it's all over. <laughs> that's right. Soaked with Corona. It might be, but um, yeah, I mean, it really is a major difference. And uh, the stuff you talk about about marrying a fire captain and everything is just so funny. And that's what the show is going to be about, right? Yeah, it's about like my my background, my family, and his family, and my life, and yeah, just being like kind of stand up comic, fitting into that boy avoida. You know, um, <laughs> Staten Island world and um, and our, my aggressively liberal background and his like very libertarian, you know, Brooklyn, like everything's in cash. <laughs> you know, cash. Right. And, um, but- yeah, they, they there are our families are like, you know, the opposite. Like my mom's worldview is like, how can we build a more inclusive nation to cradle the world's refugees? And his family's just like the government's on their way over to take your shit. Right? So get some gold, get some fucking Bitcoin. <laughs> Do you, um and you I know you've uh, titled it and I have a you know, it's okay, but I think you should come up with a new name. A Feinstein exclamation point. Oh and, that's um, fine. That is fun. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to sell. an upside down one with oh, for no real reason. You know what fun? That would be great. Or you can do the uh, Spanish question marks on either side. Oh yeah, Feinstein. <laughs> <laughs> we could just call it like what a zany bunch. <laughs> just like you do the math, and then I'll just be shrugging with the you do the math expression. <laughs> Seriously though, uh, do you have a title for your show? No, no, we, I've been trying to think of it. I'm not good at titling. I have like some random ideas, but I'm I'm definitely not good at that at all. I, I'm terrible at it. Uh, it's a hard thing to do. Oh, I keep thinking of really dumb ways to start it. Um, sorry to backtrack, but we did this TV show in Amsterdam years ago, and the host would act like he barely made it on the stage, like, and he would come, and every show opened with the host coming through the kitchen, like sweating, like wiping his brow. Damn it, that's hilarious. That. Yeah, I know exactly. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, you would be the only person in the audience laughing like now in an American audience. But (laughs) that's how I opened my one man show in Aspen, Colorado for the HBO (laughs) thing. I opened it. I'm like, can I get here in time? I I do find that. (laughs) (laughs) And then he skids on the stage like he barely made it. And there's like a guy angry at him like, this is your last chance. Uh, so stupid. I gotta see. But I show. do like some really dumb things like that. Like you do. Like I like it when um when people like some gags like that really work for me. Like when people are told firmly to leave like a fancy party and then they come back in through a variety of entrances. That's always funny to me. Still, you know, when someone's told like to leave, like you did, with no in no uncertain terms, like you need to get out of here. Yeah, I know. And then they come back in. Yeah, it's remember I I told you the girl I was dating and. I think you met, you know, um, Carrie and her brother ended up marrying uh, my friend Kim. And Uh he got so wasted at their wedding. He was asked to leave his own wedding by security. (laughs) And they put him in a taxi 
And then he came back to the wedding on his bike, <laughs> on his bicycle, and says, you can't keep me out, motherfuckers. <laughs> it's very funny. It just is. Or when they come back in, like, a different hat. But it, it's still it's, them. it's funny it's that that's stuff. actually real life, and it wouldn't have not have been funny if he was my brother-in-law. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. and yet, in a way, maybe. <laughs> Remember when Dan Aykroyd did that and, like, with the fancy party and trading places, and he came back in, like, a Santa suit and, like, pulled a fish out of it? See, well, that's well, good uh, stuff. Well, that's that was different though, because <laughs> that's not that's not being fun. asked to leave and then come back. That's uh, yeah, I guess right now it was like he was coming to, uh, to be there. He, the his plan that's was fair. to frame Eddie Murphy. He had a plan. That's true. That's true. And that's not the same. You're right. He was just in a snooty party that he shouldn't have been in, which I always find funny when there's a snooty party and then some piece of trash, like wet, drunk trash comes in. That makes me laugh. Uh, yeah, too. of course. That's uh, in the Blues Brothers movie. We always talk about it. Um, there's a, a you know an upscale family sitting next to John Belushi, ironically Dan Aykroyd, uh, acting foolish. And he goes, a waiter, <laughs> um, these men are offensive. And he goes, I'm sorry, sir. Have they said something wrong? No. Offensive smelling. <laughs> see it's funny i think also because we relate because i don't know i mean i was always tr the trash and the root i was you know always in trouble in school and i was kicked out so i yeah i always root for like the, the greasy trash person coming in with to the snooty good people well that's know, that's the movies uh that's the movies that you know we always talk about on the podcast all the time that we love caddyshack back to school easy money the slobs yeah. the slobs against the yuppies always it's fun, right? And I also like it when um, husbands and wives talk, call each other dumb a lot. They don't do that in TV anymore, but I think it's really funny to marry somebody and then just look at them like, you know, you're dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> you're stupid. Well, that's, uh, I told you my uh, my neighbors do that. You know, that um, the, the lawyer and the, the district attorney, they do, do that to each other all the time. It makes me laugh a lot because it's funny to marry somebody, but also just think they're an absolute moron. Really, there's a there's a line in um, Small Time Crooks where she's like, he's like, G -g 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 -g, leave me alone. I got a lot of my mind. And Tracy Albert's like, your mind can't hold a lot. You just you just dumb. It's so nice and final, you know. Well, you know, my favorite saying, what I have said to you many times, I'm like, please, I accept your condemnation. Now, please leave. That's also from Woody Allen movie. <laughs> That's uh, I accept your condemnation. Now, I have dinner guests. Please. I have dinner guests. It's funny, too. I always say dinner that. Dinner guests and dinner parties. It's like there's little things that you look at when you're a kid and you're like, one day I'm going to be an adult and I'll have dinner parties. And some of them you really do. And then a dinner party one, I never did. I was never adult enough to have a dinner party. It's funny you say that. I feel similar. I remember once going out with Bob Golden and he's a Brown University grad. And we went out with, uh, you know, a, a bunch of the alumni from those Ivy League schools, you know, are pretty like adult. Right, yeah. <laughs> like stuff we don't understand, and um, we went to this thing, and they were having like a food tasting, like a chef there and everything, and it was like a serious dinner party. And I'm like, boy, this is, I guess, this is what it's like being an adult. But then I don't know whether that is. I think that's just what it's like being wealthy and smart. Right? Yeah, maybe <laughs> wealthy and smart. There's a lot of ways that I'm still such trash. Now like speaking, taste wine, you know, and they swirl it around. I, I would have no idea. You could give me strawberry boons, and I would be like, mm, "Very high <laughs> I, end." I'm the same. Out on this. Yeah, I'm you the same way. That's out. why it's funny. Well, that's why we we like having dinner together. <laughs> we usually make fun of people like that all the time. <laughs>
And we're always fascinated by somebody who actually does know what they're talking about, which I like. I like when a guy actually knows about wine if he's if like it's he's not full of shit and he's yeah, no, it's it very he, satisfying. Yeah, I I enjoy people that are are knowledgeable about certain things and but they really are. They're not just you know pretending yeah, they're not just they are playing the part. Yeah, they're not right, speaking. right, exactly. I, I need those people around me because there's so much I don't know about. Like, but that leads me to. What I want to say is that um, Rachel is uh, giving birth in like two weeks, <laughs> and now you have really? to be an adult. <laughs> Just really pumped about the timing. This really gets like oh, weirdly cool. How, seriously, how yeah. how are you holding up? This has got to be. Now I was just talking about how you know stress for me. I'm a moron. Uh, for you, I'm an asshole. You must be in the most stressful situation that there is. Uh, you seem fine, but I know that you're stressed. We've talked about it. This is a really tough situation for you. Yeah, there's definitely moments where where um, I'm okay, and then moments where you just like you're seized with active terror, just because like of course they. Uh, I mean, also when you know when you have a baby, then people all come around and they like. And it makes it better and they tell you and they say nice things about your baby and they handle things for you and show you. And now it's like nobody can come. No one's allowed anywhere near this baby. And it hurts. It hurts something awful. I mean, you got to do the right thing. You can't bring people around the baby and you got to do the right thing, you know, which is just lay still while other people are brave. But, uh, but yeah, I just want everything to be okay. And I don't want to get splashed with Corona in the process or find out I have it or I don't know. It's, it's. I, I can't even imagine. Of timing, course. But yeah. But, and and the funny thing is, when this all started, we assumed by the end of May, everything would be fine. I mean, this is, uh, it's really tough. I'm so sorry that you have to go through this, but I'm pretty positive it's going to be a nice, healthy baby and everything's good. And you got a good man behind you. You got a good husband. Yeah. I mean, it could be so much worse, right? I could be like already rancid with Corona, soaked with Corona right now, and then I could have. Or you could be a single mom, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, because there's, you know, we know a lot of single moms, and uh, yeah, I mean, you have a really good man behind you and somebody who, you know, is actually prepared for emergencies and things. I mean, it it, it really, it it could be better, but it couldn't be, you know, at least you you got a good support system. And he um, does know infant CPR. That's vaguely soothing. (laughs) <laughs> well, he's like, I mean, I've I only done it on like a dummy, you know, but I know it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, you didn't have to tag that. But uh, <laughs> one thing firemen don't know that people think they know, which is kind of interesting, is when everybody says like on my like app, what to expect or whatever, this little pregnancy app on my phone. And it's like, this is the time where you should bring your car seat by the fire department and they can help you install it. And he's like, we don't know that shit. The broads come by. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like some vaguely horny mom like well i guess i have to get their guidance and then and then the guys are like yeah i fucking do this shit you want to pretend for me but um truth of the matter is they have no idea they don't know how that rumor got started and they have no idea how to put a car seat in i know because we just had to watch like four youtube tutorials before we installed our own oh my goodness so of course, they're heroes, and we thank them for their service. <laughs> they don't know how to put a car seat in. <laughs> well, it's so it's great that you can, 
you know, have your sense of humor about this. I, I'm sure I know many people that would not be able to handle this the way you are. And I talk to you at least every other day and you are, you know, certainly there is a sense of fear, but you are handling it so well and you're so cool. And, um, I mean, well, thank you, but that's the thing with handling things, right? All you have to do is just stay alive and then people think you're, you know, great for just whatever. What are the other choices, really? You just kind right. of keep. Well, and then I guess if you're, you know, if you're a comic or, or or a natural clown, like like you know, you and I are. If you're a born clown, all you could do is make fun of everything. <laughs> it's true. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Well, that's, yeah, I, mean, but, I don't have to go out and like be brave and help people. I just have to keep clowning. You know. And we were just talking <laughs> about. Um, you were telling me something about Doctor Fucci. What's his name? Ferrucci. Fauci. Fauci. I, when I can't sleep, I. I look him up and I watch like unstable amounts of video about him. I get in the weirdest tunnels when I can't sleep. Like one time I, I just like ended up in, like learning all about Burt Reynolds whole life. It was really fascinating. Like, so do like, you, kind of you read it online? Stuff. Like you look. No, at- yeah, no, I started, it starts that I read something and then I end up watching YouTube videos and like, I found out that Burt Reynolds, like, you know, had a drinking problem and was an animal. And then he met his wife and, he saw her in cats. I always wanted that story. I always wanted somebody to like see me in something and be like, I, I have to meet that girl in that thing. And that's, that's just never, ever happened. No one's ever been like, I mean, if they are, if they do have to meet me, it's only to tell me like I stink or I'm fat or something. <laughs> that's know? not true. But, <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, like, I know what you're talking about. I get that obsessed yeah, as well. Like he saw her in cats and he was like, that will be my next bride, you know? And I believe that's the- what happened to Jamie Curtis and, Christopher Guest, Jamie Curtis oh, really? saw him. Yeah, she saw him in spinal. She saw him on the cover of Rolling Stone in his Spinal Tap costume, and she goes, "I have to have that man." And I God, think so I think they're cool. still married. That never happens to me. I always want to be, or I want to be able to do that, or have somebody tell me I have to learn a skill, and I like sheepishly say no. They're like, "You can play this part. You just need to learn to play the guitar." And I'm like, "I can't." Yeah, but all guitar. this is going to happen. When you have the show, because you might have to learn something during the show, and somebody's going to see you on the show and unfortunately say, I really need to meet her and hang out with her, but you're already married. So this is a disaster. No, it'll still be cool, though, because I like the attention, even if I... Even if I it's, even if I don't run away with the purse, I'll still like that tale, if it does happen. But wow. I always want somebody to make me learn a skill, like, you know, like in, a, in a, the Johnny Cash biopic when Reese Witherspoon was like, I didn't want to play the guitar, and then they just, the director would show up. Sorry, <coughs> Sorry I just need. Oh my god, do you have the coronavirus? Corona, corona, soaked with corona, splashed with corona. <laughs> um, but, uh, then, yeah, then she said the director just, like, kept asking her, you know, like, they were like, you can do it, and really, what are all, of, and then she was so brave, because she just did it. It just means, like, some fucking guitar person just comes over all day and makes you learn this cool thing and then you learn it and you know i want that tale i know I i'm always uh, like, very jealous of movies like that because you know, know when you're in a movie like that you're getting paid for the movie then you're getting paid to like maybe work with a personal trainer or on the flip side if you're robert de niro you're getting paid to gain weight uh getting paid to play the guitar you're getting paid to learn how to drive something like a motorcycle or something it's it's completely unacceptable and i know exactly what you're talking about because i think about that all the time as well oh i'm so jealous of those people i'm always like well i'll learn to play the guitar you know when i'm in a movie that says i have to learn to play the guitar i'll do it then oh that's what happened to me with that um isaac uh miss rocky show 
except it didn't work out right where Isaac Mizrahi was like, can you sing a duet in my, in my show? And I was like, you know, I'm no singer, but hope, but secretly I was hoping I was, and I was about to be discovered. And he was like, you go to my coach just, you know? So I, and then I, I practiced all night and I asked, my husband, I was like, Peter, is, is that good? He's like, yeah, I don't think you should do this. Like, I think <laughs> That's when you know it's bad. Your, your biggest <laughs> cheerleader is like, I don't know. <laughs> he was like, is there maybe another but one? But you ended like, up doing it anyway, that? right? You did it anyway, and people loved it, right? I, no, I mean, I think I was funny and nice and self-effacing, but I still, I, I can't sing. I thought I could. Yeah, but they know I that, really so that's what's fun. Yeah, I mean, it was fine, but I was definitely bad. Like, when I went to Isaac Mizrahi's uh, a voice coach, you know, I sang the song, and I wanted her to be like, first of all, she's just like a, another species of person. Isaac Mizrahi on the phone, he was like, um, he's like, well, just practice on your piano at home. And I was like, that's such an amazing assumption that I have a home piano. Like, that's the best assumption. <laughs> yeah, good point, I right? I mean, I, you know what? I didn't even think about it because I have a piano at home. But yeah, <laughs> right. Most people don't. Right. Just practicing your piano. Know. What a douche move. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> runs with that level of elegant person. Yeah, exactly. I guess this, this guy's never been yeah. in a chicken wing eating contest. Right. Yeah. And, like, and, then goes, and then I'm like, I live in like a 600 foot square apartment with no home piano. There's not even a Casio. Yeah, right, right. Well, he, just I, then a Casio then. I, right. Exactly. He just keeps going. Right. <laughs> and then I remember once I go, I was like, what should I wear? And um, and uh, he was like, oh, darling, I'm sorry. I don't have any couture for you. And I was like, that's the most amazing leap. <laughs> he thought I was asking for a couture. <laughs> I was asking if I could, like, text him a picture of me in, like, a Zara blazer. <laughs> he was telling me if it was okay or not. But he was like, oh, darling, I don't have any couture for you. I'm so sorry. He goes, just don't overthink it. I'll just be wearing a Chanel suit and a lot of pearls. And I was like, that's just not overthinking it out there. <laughs> Mine is like, it's definitely a Zara blazer with like a certain amount of stains on it, you know, like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then, and then I, and then I went to Isaac's voice coach and I sang like the first song and I thought she was going to put her hand on my arm and be like, you're, uh, you're not, you're not and, good. Yeah. No, instead <laughs> she was like, tell Isaac, you can't do the solo. It's not possible. You're not ready. It's not. She didn't say that though. Yes. She, she did say that? Oh, said that. That's not well. What kind of teacher is that? The worst well, teacher ever. No, I didn't. She didn't want me to make a fool of myself. It was at the car lot. Yeah, but it's her she job didn't... to make a singer that doesn't sing, to make somebody who doesn't sing look like they can sing. That's her job. Yeah, but we only had three days. That's like an 80s movie. And she well, exactly. Do it in three and days, every 80s you know? movie I've seen, you can do it in three days. It works. <laughs> right, but that's why they're all full of I hate this woman. Give me your name. <laughs> Anyway, she's like, tell Isaac, no, only, you cannot do the solo. You must not do it. Rachel, yeah. I do not want to take up your time. <laughs> I know that you are, you know, with child and have lots going on and you just made a move and everything and you're such a mess. And I appreciate you taking this little bit of time today to talk to us because, um, you know, I had been talking about you and, you know, I use you as an example. I'm like, you want to hear where, who it's bad for? How about Rachel Feinstein? <laughs> <laughs> so thank well, you thank so much. You. I had so much fun. I know, I know. And I, I mean, believe me, I wish you could be here in person. We could just talk for an hour and a half like usual. But Jesus. Well, once the world finishes ending and starts over again, I'll, right. be, I'll be right over there eating all your, your fudge um, 
Keebler Elf uh, cookies <laughs> and all the or other like Pee Wee Herman like snacks you have. I do still have them. In fact, I have them in bulk now that you know I'm stuck in that side. So, <laughs> but anyway, have a great day and uh, you know, good luck and you know, stay cool. And I'll okay. uh, talk to you later. Talk to you soon, Davey. Bye. Bye. Rachel's so funny. I mean, she's uh, you know, I mean, I, I you know. I'm making fun. I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm uptight. I'm having a heart attack. She's having a goddamn baby. And uh, I mean, she's panicked, but you know, she doesn't sound it. I mean, she's always got, you know, that's the beauty about being a comic. You know, you always have a sense of humor about everything. But is she worried? Is she worried? Of course she's worried. They're getting a coronavirus test, her and her husband, like, you know, today. And is she worried she has it? Of course she's worried. I mean, we're all pretty sure she doesn't have it. But they got to get the test, right? So, I mean, God forbid, you know, she has it. Is the baby going to have it? I mean, how do you not worry about that? I mean, this is real serious, you know, for her. Uh, I'm sure she's going to be okay. But, you know, the hospital, if she ends up having it, she can't be in the room with the baby. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, this has been happening. This has been happening. But she has a great attitude. And, uh, you know, her show's going to be funny, uh, you know, as soon as she develops my Kramer part. Uh, you know, how am I not going to be in that sick? I mean, come on. Right? I mean, come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? And I was thinking about guest spots on uh, TV shows because I was ironically going, you know, I was just looking for some clips and stuff. I don't have that many today. And I was going, for some reason, I saw Mary Tyler Moore bloopers. And I'm like, ah, let's check this out because, I mean, it's kind of funny to see your favorite shows when you've never seen bloopers from it before. And then all of a sudden you see them all break character and be very friendly to each other. You know, even Ted, you know, because, I mean, Ted Knight, we all know he was great, but, you know, when they're, not friendly, but then they're friendly because they're acting. Whatever. Anyway, do you remember I told you about two weeks ago uh, that I remembered this episode when she moved into her new apartment? So that'd be about 1975. She moved into her new apartment and she had this landlord or the super who came in and said, uh, I'm sorry, I hear a buzzing outside. I thought it was seven o'clock already. Uh, you know, where they're always uh, clapping and hitting pans. So uh, she had this super who came in and said, well, you know, only call me if it's an emergency. And the line was, well, she's like, well, what's an emergency? She go, and he goes, do you remember Pearl Harbor? And she goes, yeah. And she go, and he goes, well, that was close. Remember? Because I was like, what an asshole. Do you remember Pearl Harbor? Go fuck yourself. You don't even know what a fucking emergency is, dimwit. I mean, this guy's dead by now, but you know what I'm saying? That's what our parents was like, the emergency. He doesn't know about 9-11. He doesn't know about Hurricane Sandy or any of the hurricanes. He doesn't know about the you know coronavirus. Fuck this guy, right? I mean, it's like, uh, remember Pearl Harbor? That was close. I mean, what a complete asshole. Uh, so anyway, so I actually found was watch the bloopers and they have bloopers of this guy who has what he's got two lines he's a guest star that's why and here's why we never saw his character again remember when she moves in season five to that upscale apartment in the sky like the jeffersons uh they're setting up that laverne lives across the hall from her you know penny marshall and this super and uh, we know what happened with Laverne, but uh, I mean, I assume that she left because she got her own show. But they're setting up these characters in her new apartment, and then they just they, you never never. Well, Laverne, you saw a couple times maybe, but this guy you never saw again. Why? Because he kept flubbing his lines. Because he's a fucking moron. Remember when the Japanese? Uh, remember when the Japanese attacked? Uh, remember when the Japanese Japanese attacked uh, Pearl Harbor? 
Remember when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor? Uh, remember when the Japanese uh, attacked... Uh, uh-huh. Well, that was close. <laughs> you see, he um, couldn't remember. He had one line, and he kept flubbing it, right? So then we never saw him again. And you got it's funny that it's on the blooper reel, because that's not funny at all. I, when somebody flubs a line, I'm not interested. I've made multiple podcasts about this. I just don't find that funny at all. You know, unless something really awesome is going to happen and they're going to improvise something. But that guy, you know, why are they even show it? Why is that on the blooper reel? And that guy couldn't get... Do you remember when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor? I mean, what an asshole, right? So he's never to be seen again. And I'm fascinated by that because uh, uh, two reasons. Number one, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm watching all these shows that have nothing to do with the coronavirus which is why it pisses me off when they have commercials about the coronavirus because if i'm watching here's lucy on antenna tv at four in the morning which is the worst show ever but i just need something that ain't gonna mention any of this shit then i don't want to hear anything about it now i'm watching this here's lucy which was the worst show when it was on and now because lucille ball just you know after i love lucy was just horrible very unattractive in every way. Her voice, her character, that smoking, she just sucked. But I'm watching and I'm thinking of Lucy, and Lucy Arnaz, you know, she's got her, plus, you know, a hater, she's got her kids on it. You know, how jealous am I of this? Like, you know, Lucy Arnaz say, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do a daily show. What? Fuck you. But she's on it and she's actually, there's one, she's wearing these, I never found her attractive in the least, but there's one episode she's wearing these little, you know, 60s clothes, it's, it's fantastic, actually. But the episode that I was watching, Tim Matheson plays her boyfriend, uh, you know, Otter from uh, Animal House and, and beyond, but he plays her boyfriend, and, uh, you know, so that was fascinating. I'm sitting there watching that. I'm like, what? And I'm fascinated by the episode. She sings in the episode. I've been trying to find a clip, and they were like, we... I was looking it up, this particular episode. They're like trying to concentrate on Lucy Arnaz's singing career and trying to spin off her in her own show, which was apparently ill-fated. And when you hear her sing the song, I don't have the clip, but if you hear her sing the song, it's like, I know she's an okay singer, but this, it's like, really? This is necessary? You know, it's not very good. Uh, She's just kind of sexy, actually, in it, which is weird. Again, I don't find her very attractive. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to wear the right clothing and show off some body, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, then you can automatically become attractive. Anyway, I was listening to her uh, again, you know, like we all are going through all these clips, not just, you know, when I'm going looking for stuff for you guys, I'm looking at other stuff that they recommend. I'm like, oh, let me see this. So they have Lucy Arnaz about four, five years ago, four years ago, talking about here's Lucy and, you know, working with her mom and stuff. And she says, you know, what I learned from that show was how to interact with people when you're acting, like especially on a TV show. And she started talking about it. She's like, the show worked well. Everybody was nice. You know, the, she had very professional people. You know, Lucy. I mean, everybody wanted to work with Lucy at the time. So she had all people from, you know, I Love Lucy and stuff. And they were all polite. It's obviously a family show. She's got her kids on. I mean, no matter whether you like the show or not. It was obviously a pleasant environment to work in, and everybody knew who the boss was, so there was no, you know, no problems. You know, even a, a producer or a showrunner is not going to tell Lucy what to do and not to do, right? I mean, Lucy is the reason they all have jobs. Lucy, whether again, whether you 
think here's Lucy's a bag of shit or the Lucy show or any incarnation of Lucy, especially that stupid Lucy show in the 80s where they try again. I mean, you can't deny that Lucille Ball is the re- she invented. I mean, her husband invented the American sitcom. So, you know, it's very going to be very difficult to tell Lucy. I'm like, Lucy, I, I, you're doing it all wrong. I mean, I mean, let's let alone that Lucy, you know, the Desi invented the American modern sitcom, which still exists today, which is why Rachel has a job, perhaps. Um, but she invented, you know, Lucy and, and, and invented classic female comedy. I mean, there wasn't any before her so who's going up to her so i'm saying it was you know barring her just being a complete cunt which we've never really heard before i mean you can actually if you read the book but that's on i love lucy and then i think she figured it out but you know barring her you know which you haven't heard like she's got her kids on the show and everything she's obviously going to be nice or at least somewhat nice it's a good set and lucy arnaz is saying it was great it was great great time worked like clockwork and she said we were at mateo's not mateo lane's but this restaurant in la by 9 30 it was so perfect. We were out by 9.30, always on Thursday nights. We're out by 9.30, already eating dinner. Unless, you know, that show's full of guest stars. And if the guest star, like a Tim Matheson, comes in, and somehow she goes, you know, if an asshole comes in, she doesn't say it like that, but she's like, you know, when you have a guest star and it rocks the boat, tilts the boat, and then there's a problem. If that guest star is not being, you know, thinks uh, is being a prima donna or something like that. And I've always said, you know, ever since I've done, I've done like three guest starring roles on TV shows, uh, I'm glad I got it when I was older because I could see myself being a complete douchebag in my 20s. But the three shows I was on, you don't want to come into an already established show and cause any problems. That's like the worst thing you can do. Uh, you know, and I guess I'm, you know, I, I didn't even think of it until I was on Sarah's show, uh, the uh, the Sarah Silverman program, and, you know, had the, the big guest starring role. And you're with all those people. And I was thinking, you know, I'm like, those people, and I've told you this before, those people are my friends. And we're talking about Sarah and her sister and uh, the guy that plays the police officer. I mean, these are my friends who I know, and I still felt uncomfortable as an outsider because that's what a guest star does. And, you know, again, listening to um, uh, Richard Klein talking about guest stars and how uh, when you would talk to guest stars on that show, they said how the set was so beautiful and he was so nice. So the only thing you can do is mess it up if you're a douchebag. And that's what she was talking about. She didn't mention any names, which would have been a lot of fun uh, if we had heard who was uh, bad news. But we probably could figure it out if you, you know, look at the, uh, you know, look at who guest starred on that show. But that's why I'm saying this guy comes on the show. He's flubbing his lines. You want to make sure you are completely prepared to go on. You don't want to flub your lines on a on an already established juggernaut, which is five years in. And then you come in. You're an old man. You get a guest spot and you fuck it up. You got one goddamn line and it takes you that many takes. You're an asshole. And then they just wrote him off. Never to be seen again. Never in any other episode. That's a little, uh, little advice from uh, Dave Jusko. If you get starring in a TV show, know your place. No matter who you are, no matter who the star is, realize the star is the star and you stink until otherwise told that you're great and that they want you back. You know, I mean, that's the that's what you want. Event, You want to be brought back. Now, um, unfortunately, no one has brought me back, but that's because, of course, I outshine the uh, stars in the show. So, you know, they're all very jealous and that is why they either kill me off or do not have me back 
uh, the characters. Everybody's very jealous when they work with Dave Jessica because, you know, I'm larger than life in these shows that I do, so they cannot compete with the greatness uh, <laughs> of what I do. Uh, but uh, whatever the case may be, hopefully someday I'll be asked back and that'll be beautiful. Okay. I just got to look at my list of shit. I have so much to talk about today. So much to talk about. Here's something. Um, I've been thinking about, you know, how they're, you know, they're leaving the bodies all over. Like, you know, this one place in Queens was just had a whole backyard of bodies because nobody, you know, nobody's digging anything. They didn't summon, you know, it's in the paper and the news and everything, but they didn't. They didn't do anything about it. They, I mean, they didn't, I don't. They, I think they're going to bring the guy up on charges, but it's tough because the guy's probably like, I, I didn't know what to do. We're piling up, you know, whatever. Uh, but you know, if you think about one of your loved ones, it's kind of horrible. But I was thinking, you know, it's funny. All the bodies that they're covering, uh, it really is. You know, I was a huge fan before everybody got into it. Uh, the Walking Dead and all that stuff. My, my friend Lawrence turned me on to uh, George Romero and you know Dawn of the Dead. Not Night of the Living Dead. I didn't care for that. It was in the 60s. It was a little slow. But Dawn of the Dead, we used to see a midnight movie. I was terrified to go, but I went. You know, we got high, and boy, was that fun. Dawn of the Dead, the original George Romero, maybe from the uh, 82 or something, Dawn of the Dead, 81, 80, I don't know. Uh, unbelievable. Nothing compares because everything now is all serious, but this was like, you know, funny and serious at the same time. Uh, amazing and then of course i think we saw a day of the dead but if i remember correctly in dawn of the dead or it could be night of the living dead but there's a line i didn't look it up i forgot because i remember it and they said when there's when when hell the line is when 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 hell whatever the line is when hell is full up you know, when there's too many bodies in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And I just keep thinking uh, between that and this other movie um, that I saw with the guy from uh, Pathmark, I, I can't remember, Return of the Living Dead, that's I think that's what it was, uh, that all these bodies that are buried with the coronavirus are going to, you know, radiate among all the dead bodies, and that will actually start the zombie apocalypse because they're all buried with the virus. I mean, it really is like the start of a movie like that. Somebody's probably going to make it. It does kind of add up in a way, since nobody knows what it is or how to cure it, that if you bury a body with the coronavirus in the ground, it's going to rise up because we don't know. What, and then you'll have the zombie gene. I mean, it really, all the stuff that's happening, it's just funny. There's like so many movies made in different ways that, you know, saw this craziness coming. It's really uptight. Meanwhile, yesterday, uh, when I went out for my walk, I'm walking back, right? And I run into this woman, Liz, from my building. And she has just been a major asshole. I wanted to use the C word again since this has started. You know, going to everybody, oh, stay away from me. Stay away from me. You know, totally covered up. So I see her yesterday without any mask or anything on the side on this building with her chair with all this space. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know it was you. I haven't seen you not... Burn up, you know, you were sick from the very beginning and she didn't even have the virus or anything, but she's just a rude individual. So this kid is walking. He's just taking his walk. He lives in the building. She didn't even live in this building. And she goes, where are you going? Where are you going? And I'm like, Liz, stop. And he goes, where are you going? He's like, I'm just going down. So he's wearing a mask. She's not wearing a mask. She puts on her mask 
And she's asking this kid where he's going. It's it's ridiculous. And he said, Liz, that ain't cool. Just, you know, I, I was like, I, I didn't want to be a part of it. What an asshole. And I, she goes, what? What am I doing? I'm like, I'm like, you know, a lot of people in the building are talking about you in the building because you're being, you're being an asshole. Like, I'm just trying to set a, you know, a level that there's six feet. You know, when people walk in the door, I'm just like, but there's a better way to do it. And the way you're doing it is not acceptable and it's not polite. You're making a big show. You're like, oh, no. You know, I, I was trying to be honest with her. I mean, if I was coming off as a dick, I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, there's a polite way to handle this. You don't have to do all the drama and nonsense you're doing. You know, you just step aside and be like, oh, excuse me. Oh, you go first. You know, please. You know, that you're the problem for all of this. Why everybody's cross with everybody because there's people like you who are, go, or, you know, acting insane when we need to just be, you know, nice to each other because that's the only way we'll get along and get over this. So that was driving me crazy. That was really making me angry last night. But still, it was fun to be outside. <laughs> I walked Alina to her car, and then I was just walking around. It was a beautiful day. I actually got sunburned. Maybe that made me dizzy. I don't know. You know, maybe I got too much sun, too high, and it caused the dizziness again. But you know what's funny? I keep going back and forth. Like, now I'm not dizzy. When I was talking about the dizzy, I'm dizzy. So it probably is some sort of anxiety. Now I'm talking about it again. Of course, I'm dizzy again. But... What the thing is, I noticed the dizziness goes away when I talk about the last dance, which is the ESPN uh, unbelievable best documentary I've ever seen on the 97, 98 Chicago Bulls. If you haven't seen this and you're sitting at home, I've recommended it to everyone, including people that don't like to ba- uh, basketball. I've talked to Lee Maracas. He goes, you think my wife would like it? I'm like, I'm going to say yes, because it's um, it, it's not a basketball documentary. It's just this point in time which make and it's the best documentary i've ever seen because it really flows and the best part about it it's a modern day documentary where there's all video footage no still shots you know like those old ken burns boring documentaries where you got one photo you spend an hour zooming in you spend an hour zooming out and i'm like i am bored there's no boredom in this each episode is an hour there's 10 episodes they've all five and six come out today as i'm taping this and it's fantastic. I mean, really, really great. And uh, Lee's wife watched it, and she loved it. So I, it's definitely made for people that don't like basketball. Last week was amazing. All the sports stations, of course, are talking about it. All the news are talking about it because everybody's watching it because it's so entertaining. And last week was no exception. They Last week they've been doing it. The first episode's more about Michael Jordan. Yeah, they're focused. Uh, but it's about the team and the you know what's surrounding that particular final championship team, which they knew was the last um, you know, year they were all going to be together because there's one douchebag. Uh, so the first, of course, Michael Jordan, and they you know set everything up, and it's totally entertaining. And then the second is about Scottie Pippen, and the third is about Dennis Rodman, and the fourth is about Phil Jackson. So I don't know where they're going, you know, with this episode, but who cares? You know, I trust the people that bought this to me. So the third episode, they have Den- they're talking about Dennis Rodman, and uh, Michael Jordan has this thing where he goes, "Well, Dennis was getting upset." And he just wanted some time alone. So he goes to Phil Jackson and said, can I get some, can I get a vacation? He's like, you can't have a vacation. We're in the middle of the season. And he goes, well, I'll give you 48 hours. And Jordan goes, are you crazy? You're going to give that guy 40, 48 hours? We're never going to see him again. And, and, and Dennis Rodman goes to Vegas and they don't see him again. <laughs> like it, they have a clock. They go, in fact, it's the cliffhanger in the third episode. And then uh, Michael Jordan's got to go to Vegas and go get him. And it's just great the way they tell the story. And it's great. 
when they show people the clips of Michael Jordan talking and then they show it to Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, them watching it so you see their reactions. It's one of the most well-done documentaries, really, I've ever seen. I guarantee you'll enjoy it, even if you don't like sports. It's really, really terrific. And, um, you know, again, it's the only thing is like Monday, I know, you know, I'm just listening to the sports station and like, Boomer Esiason and Geo are going to be talking about it. I haven't seen it yet because I like to save it up. I'll probably watch one tonight, and then I like to watch one the next day. But, yeah, they can't spoil it that much. We kind of know what happened, so there's no real spoiler alert. But sometimes we forget. about. I'm like, yeah, I forgot about that. But uh, either way, even if they're talking about it, it's still going to be entertaining uh, to watch. In fact, that's what got me to – I was, like, so excited because they were talking about Carmen Electra and everything, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to see it. So uh, highly recommend it. And that's been super fun that that happens. Something to look forward to, which is for sure. Um, I think I had a reason for telling you that, but I don't remember. Um, I, I want to play something for you right now, which uh, I'm going to play in its entirety. It's, a, it's about five minutes long, and it's really terrific. And it's Bill Maher on his show, and he's been doing his show like everybody else from his house. And I kind of worship Bill Maher. There's not a lot of comics that i respect uh a lot or or would say that the wrong way because there are a lot of comics i respect obviously i do respect jeff ross and david tell obviously and sarah i respect these comics and i'll go to see you know i've told you before when i go to see a stand-up comic perform an entire hour you know it's a big deal for me if i'm going to see especially if well it's one of my friends obviously i'm going for that reason but sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll go to see somebody i like to see their entire set you know i've been doing that lately i did it with mateo lately with marina um because i want to support but i'm also interested to see you know what they do and bill maher is one of those guys that i really respect i like his brand of comedy i like his views on religion i like his views on politics even you know if we we don't have we have differing views on politics but i think he's smart that you know when he's obviously bashing trump um he does it in just the perfect way that doesn't make me angry or anything. I mean, now I don't give a shit, but I'm saying, you know, it's one of those things when, you know, if somebody's in office, he, he doesn't bother me because I, the way he speaks makes sense to me in every way. In fact, he can give me another point to look at. And I remember when his movie came out called Religious, where he was just going to make fun of religions. I was like all in on that. Cause I believe that so me and Rachel went together. We saw the movie theater. And then I've told you when I've, met him on the several times i've met him i've been to the tapings all the time because my friend danny vermont worked on the show and we used to spend a lot of times there but the couple times i've met him and hung out and got high with him he's like the one guy i can't talk to i don't feel myself in front of him i'm very intimidated with him because i think he's so smart that my actual stupidity that i was just telling you about which usually works will not work with him because he doesn't care for he doesn't have time for stupid people so he makes me very uptight because I have so much respect for him. And he gave his, uh, you know, every episode, he has the new rules, and then it ends with his ending monologue uh, just to the camera. No jokes, just here it is, folks. I mean, he's got jokes, but, you know, it's just him talking to the camera, and it's great, and it's, like, um, prolific and thought-inspiring. And I saw the one he did this week, and I'm going to play the whole thing, because it's really great about what's happening. It's very interesting, and I think you'll take a lot from you know. It's about what I've been saying, kind of like 
where we got to relax. And it's let's take a listen. And finally, new rule. The next time we have a worldwide pandemic, we have to come up with a better solution than everyone becomes Howie Mandel. You know Howie. I know Howie. Who doesn't love Howie? The world's most famous germaphobe who was social distancing before it was cool. Well, now, of course, everybody's making the joke that Howie Mandel had it right all along. No, Howie would be the first to tell you he has a disease, OCD, that fucks up your life. He can't touch a doorknob or wear shoes with laces because they might touch the ground. When he excuses himself to go to the bathroom, it's to clean it. No wonder, he says, it was always a curse. That behavior didn't allow me to date or go out with anybody when I was young or really even have friends. He also said, I'm always on the verge of death in my head. I worry that the past two months of quarantine have given people the idea that the way for humans to win our million-year war with microbes is to avoid them completely. And I'm here to tell you, you can't. The key to beating COVID isn't dining through glass or never going to a concert or a ball game again. It's your immune system. You hear people say COVID-19 is a new virus, so the immune system doesn't know how to handle it. Bullshit. Of course it does. That's why the vast majority of people have had it, either recovered or didn't even know they had it. What do you think did that? The human immune system. Now, there are people with immune systems that can't do the job. And we should make it a priority to protect those people. But compulsively washing, being scared of your own hands, that can't become the new normal. In his later years, when he was peeing into jars and wearing Kleenex boxes for shoes, we pitied Howard Hughes because it was pitiful. In the 70s, they made a TV movie with John Travolta about a sick kid called The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. And let me tell you, if they start selling these things on Amazon, we're in trouble. I, I, I see there's a hot new item for sale online, disinfecting shoe mats, because COVID can get on your feet. Yes, it can get everywhere. Microbes are ubiquitous. You can keep discovering new places to scare people into buying protection for, but we're solving the problem from the wrong end. This is a health problem. We can't sanitize the universe. Governors should declare keeping our bodies in good health an essential job. Because that's the only way we are going to win this. We've all read the articles. Your sink has 500,000 bacteria per square inch. Your toothbrush has feces on it. E. coli has been found in makeup. Carpets. Bedding. The remote cutting boards. The average pillow has 350,000 bacteria colonies. They're filled with more shit than the guy selling them. Your phone has 10 times the bacteria of your toilet, which your dog drinks out of and then licks you. I, I could see right over there, right now, one of my dogs lying on the driveway like a dead fucking fly. The driveway where cars with God knows what on their tires pull in, and then that idiot rolls in it. And the other one, I don't know where he is, which means he's into something worse. Sometimes I see a, a dead mouse in the driveway. 
I don't have a cat. Something here killed it. <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers, but there's only the three of us. My point is, God knows what is all over your pets and in their mouth, and then you invite them on the bed, and they try to French kiss you, and sometimes succeed. And some people don't even fight it. But what's the point of a pet if you're not going to pet it? It's in the name. And what's the point of life if you can't live it? Have you ever had sex in a hotel? (laughs) Did you wash your hands first? Mm. Well, the last couple didn't either. And yet you're still alive because your immune system said, we got this. So this weekend, do something nice for your immune system. Go outside, that mysterious land beyond your curtains where the Grubhub drivers live, and get some fresh air and vitamin D and break a sweat doing something besides eating hot chicken. Because at the end of the day, you can't keep all the pathogens out. It would be as silly as thinking... You could stop immigration with a wall. Isn't that terrific? I think that's uh, really prolific. He's amazing. And, uh, you know, it's what I've been saying. What are we going to do? We got to go back out. There's there's no other choice. We're not going to be able to stop it. And like he said, you know, your dog, if we see all these people with their pets and everything, I mean, this is that's great stuff. And it makes a lot of, a heck of a lot of sense. And I understand, you know, that, that you, know, you shouldn't be protesting whether to open, but, you know, got to start opening up, um, you know, whether it's in phases or whatever it is. Got to do it. Let's get back to some uh, hilarious talk. Uh, let me just see if there's anything else about the virus. Uh, oh, I'll tell you this. Uh, then we'll go on to some ridiculous stuff. I don't know whether you've heard, you know, if you don't live in New York City or you know, don't keep in touch of what's going on or if, if the news doesn't get out to where you are. The subways are a disaster, a disaster. The homeless people are living there and they've bought all those carts and their clothes and their whatever they live in on the street into the subway cars because nobody's taking so they have all the space. And my doorman was telling me how awful it is. Now, it, they've finally done something like he's been telling people for weeks and he finally told the union and I guess it finally got up to the mayor and now they are closing and disinfecting and cleaning the subway every day from one to five. There will be no subway service, which is unheard of in Manhattan. The subways will shut down from one to five every day because they must, because this, the homeless are shitting in there peeing uh, my doorman told me having sex he saw people do it and he said the stench is unbearable and every day at five twenty, he has to take that subway to get to work he has no other choice he comes from the bronx and it's not just him that's a doorman for a bunch of rich people who live somewhere and need their services but you're talking about this is what the cashiers do at your grocery store and whatever other essential people are coming in especially in manhattan that don't have cars and have to take this unfortunate way of transportation, which has been a disaster. Because, you know, the mayor ain't riding the subway, so he didn't know. Meanwhile, there's a picture of Cuomo today, you know, helping fumigate the subway. Well, isn't that nice now? Something should have been done a long time ago. All these people were not only going to work 
in a hazard situation. I'm talking about grocery people. But then they also had to travel there in a horrible situation. I can't even imagine. At least the company that owns my buildings, you know, fixed my doorman's, which I think is a very good system. I'm glad somebody thought of it. Where now they work 12-hour days, so they're only here three days a week. So my doorman who left last night at 7 o'clock doesn't have to come back until Thursday at 7 a.m. That's, thank God, because, I mean, I didn't even think about the way that they have to travel here, you know? Never occurred to me because I don't usually take the subway anyway. Mostly walk or take the city bike or take a taxi somewhere. So it wasn't even on my mind. Apparently, it was not anybody else's either. And they, all these homeless people just figured it out and took over these cars and just lived there. And, you know, I mean, you feel a little bad. They need a place to live. But um, that ain't cool, especially now. Well, who knows what they're carrying? You know, they never shower. They never wash their hands. So that place is a death trap, the subway. They finally uh, are doing something about it, which I don't know how the hell they clean all those cars within four hours. But I guess they're giving it a try. I think I don't even think it started yet. I think it starts like Monday. But, oh, my God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If you don't live in New York City, you probably have heard about the subways and how horrible they are anyway. And if you live here, you know. But if you, you know, this is why people are afraid of Manhattan. They're like, oh, the subways are horrible. You know, because, you know, if you if you don't live here and if you've never been here or whatever, you know, you don't, you're only what's going on in your mind. Like the people are like, oh, I can't believe, you know, people call me from all over. Like, how, it is, how is it? I'm, oh, I'm thinking of Dave Jusco. He lives in the city. You know, it's not bad here. Everybody thinks it's bad. They think, you know, but if you're in it, it's not as bad as what you're hearing on the news from the outside. I mean, it's bad in certain ways, but it's only bad because it's densely populated. And there's a lot of people when you're walking around. And, you know, today I went outside. And I'm like, it's too many people. And not because I'm afraid of the virus. There's too many people. I'm not, I'm not used to it. In fact, there's more people here on a usual Sunday than there would be. Usually they, on a nice day, everybody leaves town and it's pretty quiet, especially in my neighborhood. I'm not even in a densely populated neighborhood. I mean, I am because there's a lot of people. But this is a much more quiet neighborhood than a lot of other places. But, you know, in New York City, the first nice day, everybody's out. And it's just so that's the thing. But it's not as bad as you're thinking. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I think other people, because the news is coming out and the reports are coming out and the cops are stopping people and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you feel that and I feel that way, too, because it's in my head also, even though I'm here, that it's like escape from New York, you know, and things are going to get bad. But, you know, mostly people are pretty decent. I just really can't. The hotter it gets, wearing that mask is going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible. The good news is, is that Alina said she's going to get me some scrubs, so I will be able to walk around and get free stuff, which I deserve, uh, because I did buy her coffee yesterday, so you're welcome, America. I bought a nurse some coffee. Thank you, and you're welcome. And when I get so she says, what size scrubs do you have? I'm like, well, I'll probably need pretty large. She goes, well, Steve you know, got the large, and he was swimming in it, and I'm like, yeah, listen, kid, I'm a 36 and 20. She goes, you're 36? And I'm like... Thank you for making me feel like a bucket of shit. But yes, I'm very oddly proportioned. That's why I'm a perfect candidate for a heart attack. Meanwhile, it turns out everything in my body is perfectly fine where it shouldn't be. I should have high cholesterol and a whole bunch of other shit. But for some reason, like I said, God's going to keep me alive for a long time. Meanwhile, I do believe that since... 
you know, I mean, it's kind of funny that I have had a job for 20 years. I lose my job in May. Coming up on my anniversary, you're welcome. And then this happens. So in my mind, I'm saying, wow, God really hates me. You know, I have this new career, which is going perfectly, and then it stops, right? Now, I know everybody's having the same problem, but of course, I'm thinking selfishly how it affects me and how God hates me. And I keep thinking that the other day I was thinking, this is my fault. Um, I caused all this. To, to God did this to me to make me look foolish. And I'm thinking it's like, and now everybody's got to pay for it. And I'm thinking it's like in uh, like an army, like a, a full metal jacket or something where I eat a donut and my whole platoon has to do push-ups. <laughs> I was thinking of that. If, if for some reason we turn out that we're in hell or everybody has their own personal hell, that I've caused all this, um, I apologize. But I am feeling that. Plus, I was also thinking that maybe... Nobody's thought of this. It's a fear-based virus. So when I start getting nervous, when people start getting nervous about the virus, because I'm thinking there's two people I know that were freaking out. There's only, I mean, I know there were a lot of people, but there's two men that I know that were freaking out about the virus coming to America. And both of those men got the virus. I don't know anybody else that was freaking out. That was really nervous. Like, we got to do something. We got to do, you know, like that. So what if it's a fear-based virus? And because I'm getting stressed, I started to have some sort of symptoms, but I'm not completely stressed about it. You know what I mean? But everybody who, it seems like everybody who freaked out about it ended up getting the goddamn virus. Have they checked fear-based? These are things... Like, uh, you know, if I was president, I would say, what if we inject ourselves with disinfectant? Would that work? Because I can absolutely see myself saying that. <laughs> so here we are. The president like, um, have you checked on fear-based doctor? Do you think that's a thing? And she'd just be like, I don't know. I'm like, well, you know, check it out. Maybe it's based on fear, like the scarecrow in uh, Batman. Maybe we can look at, into that. Hello? Is this thing on? I'd make a perfect president. That's why when Donald Trump's saying it, I'm like, I'm like, ah, that's actually a pretty good idea. You know, this is why he should never have been president because he's thinking the same way I do. And uh, it makes a lot of sense. But but don't, you know, if I was the president, I would maybe I'd say that and then I'd be like, I wouldn't then say, well, it's something to think about. I'd probably say, yeah, you're right. What am I talking about to cover it up? That I'm an idiot and I should have said, shouldn't have said that out loud, which is why I'll be an outstanding Manhattan Borough president. I know what the people want. All right, let's move on to the more comedy and um, other stuff that we're only talking about because we have nothing to do and we're in a lockdown. Uh, first of all, I made steak and eggs the other day. No, I didn't make eggs. I made steak. I bought a steak at the grocery store, and I realized I've never made a steak in my house. I don't have a grill or anything, so how am I going to do it? So I looked online, and it said, you know, put it in the oven for 250 degrees or 20 minutes and then fry it on each side for three minutes. Worked out very well. I was very uptight about it, and it was delicious. And I, and I made some spinach and some mashed potatoes. It was an outstanding meal, and I felt okay after. I didn't go crazy. I have some leftover. So I'll eat that later. I guess you shouldn't leave a steak left over in the fridge, huh? Maybe I should probably eat that tonight. But that was exciting, you know, making a steak in my house. Never done it before. Can you believe that? Isn't that crazy? 
but I, I uh, marinated it for a while. It was quite good. I think I did a pretty good job. Um, let me tell you some of the shows I've been watching. I'm always up late at night, and that's when all the fun stuff airs. So the Partridge Family was on the other day, and it was an episode um, where Danny gets uh, involved with the mob in Vegas. They're in Vegas. And let me tell you something. That's a hilarious episode if you want to see what the hell were they thinking that we're supposed to think this takes place in Vegas. There is nothing in that episode that makes it look like Vegas. They didn't even try. When they're at a pool, they're clearly at like some form of swim club somewhere else. There's no way. It it makes so much sense for the Partridge family to be in Vegas, but they didn't even try. I mean, at least when you see other shows where they go to Vegas, they they try and make it look like it's Vegas. My God, they did not even try. So he gets involved with the this. It's really funny. He gets involved with this girl who's like a waitress because she she's getting stock tips from him. But her boyfriend is Pat Harrington Jr., or as we call him, Schneider, on one day at a time. And he's a big mob guy and thinks she's fooling around on him. So he tells his heavies to beat up this guy, Danny Partridge, who he doesn't know is 10. And he sends Vic Tay back to do it. And uh, comedy ensues. And then what I was thinking was, and only I would think of this, and the people that listen to this show who love it, is that Vic Tayback and Dave Madden, who played Ruben Kincaid, were together in this episode and would later reappear together on Alice. You're welcome. Dave Madden was in the later seasons of Alice just uh, playing a patron there, but of course we know Vic Tayback owned the diner. Mel's. Come on, dinghy. So kind of fun and only interesting to people that listen to this show also um i was watching alf this morning the second episode i watched the last episode of the pilot and i've been really enjoying it <laughs> Alf's really funny i missed alf when it was on i was uh you know doing drugs and getting laid right <laughs> hello um, yeah, well, I was just graduating college, so <laughs> I didn't have time for uh, stupid shows like that, right? puppet shows, come on. But I watched it uh, yesterday, and their next-door neighbor, and I don't know whether she was in multiple seasons, like I said, I never watched Alf, was played by Liz Sheridan, who is Jerry Seinfeld's mom in Seinfeld. And she's the nosy next-door neighbor who, you know, keeps always saying something's up, and she babysits in this particular episode. And there's all this stuff going on, and Alf is locked in the room, and the, everybody's out. It's the second episode, they leave the alien alone with their son. It's a little odd, but, uh, you know, I think you let it go when you're giving in to the premise of the show anyway. Anyway, this burglar comes in to the bedroom, and it's Larry Hankin, I think that's his name, who ends up playing Kramer in the fake show Jerry pilot in season four. So I don't know why I was like, oh, there's a little Seinfeld connection there. So I thought that was fun. Uh, I've also been watching my friend Lawrence told me about this new show that Mindy Kalig produced called Never Have I Ever. And it's about this high school Indian girl and her friends. And I'm like, say no more. I am all in. If I hear about a hot Indian girl doing, you know, it's like bend it like Beckham for me. 
So I am all in. And I said, well, who's the girl? He goes, that's the thing. It's like, a, it's like an influencer. like that. And she's really good. And it's funny because you're thinking of the way you know, most people get into acting. You go to, you know, uh, you know, you're in high school theater, stuff like that. This is just an influencer, had a, likes, a lot of likes on uh, Instagram, and she shouldn't be on a show and all things. But now these kids who are growing up are, you know, basically acting on camera every day. So they're actually pretty good, or at least maybe they auditioned her, but she she's good. This girl, I don't know her name, you know, I probably couldn't pronounce it. But I've been the third episode and it was it's very fun. It's really good. And she's got, you know, an Indian mother. And this guy who plays her dad, I don't wanna uh, well the premise is her dad dies uh at the beginning. But I like that actor and uh he's dead. I so but he's only in, you know, flashbacks and stuff. So I was kind of upset because I actually I'm like, Oh, I love that guy, and then he dies. And, um, you know, it's all this premise and setup of why she's an awkward kid, but um, it's really good. And so she has these two other friends, right? And they're all talking about boyfriends. And she's like, okay, I say this year we get boyfriends. We're just going to talk to boys. We're going to get boyfriends. And I was like, you know, and this is going to sound old man shit and really horrible, but I loved the premise that, oh, my God, they're going to boy problems. I like this. This is old school. There's not going to be anybody dealing with gay issues. I know that sounds horribly horrible, but I just, I'm just like, I just want things to be normal, I guess, in this time. Oh my God, I said normal. That's so fucking crazy. You know, I don't, uh, well, it's just going to get worse and worse as I say it. I guess I just want old school shit where there were no gay things or trans because, you know, it's gotten to this point where things are just so out of control. You don't know what to say to anybody. And I guess I just want high school shows to be the way it was when I was in high school where, you know, you gotta hold, you gotta, you gotta hide it. <laughs> that sounds horribly awful. But the second episode, one of the girls seems to like a girl, and it turns out she's gay, which is also not bad. But it is for me. I guess I just want to see regular, old-fashioned girl likes boy stuff because I'm a straight man, right? So, or whatever I am, and that's the reason what I'm basically talking about. So I just want to see a show with straight people. Okay, sorry. Um, and then I'm watching this Beauty and the Baker, the Baker and the Beauty on ABC, which I love because it's not it's Notting Hill. It's TV version of Notting Hill pretty much. And uh, this the lead guy has got a brother and a sister, and the sister is pretty sure she's gay. And I'm like – and the, it's both the mothers are like, oh, you have a boyfriend. You have a boyfriend that's terrific. It's really funny because they're both stressing that the girls – it's two separate television shows where the parents are like so are being like me. Oh, you have a boyfriend that must be great. Where I can't believe they're not because even if I had a boy or girl, I would be like or girlfriend. You know, like I, who doesn't know to say that these days? Um, even in uh, Love Actually, in uh, you know, which is made in two thousand and three, he you know when he's worried about his uh, you know the guy from Taken is worried about his son. He's like uh, or boy. It's like he it's a girl, but you got to bring it up. That's why these mothers are like they are pathetic. But I suppose it still is like that. But these two shows where I just want them to like boys because that's what I like in a show where a girl likes a boy. Uh, sorry, can't help it. I like shows like that uh, because that's what I relate to. So um, I was a little disappointed, but I know it's the thing. And uh, it still doesn't take away from the show at all in any way. It's just I was like, oh, girls talking about boys. This will be old school. <laughs> But you can't even make a show like that, I guess, in this day and age. So whatever. Anyway, it's an excellent show. Never have I ever. And like the titles are really cool. It's like never have I ever 
gotten drunk with the cool crowd. Never have I ever asked a boy for sex. You know, stuff like that. Really good show. It's only about a half hour each one. Um, you might like it. I'm just making suggestions. Um, obviously, I told him watching The Crown, which has been um, very fun. It doesn't sound like it would be fun, but it is. So I've been enjoying that. I get excited about it. You know, when I like finally, I'm like, I'm going to watch TV. And let's see, was there anything else? Right. And of course, as you know, oh, um, my friends were asking about gambling. They're like, have you been gambling? I'm like, what the fuck? What are you kidding? I don't even, why would you answer that question? It's a stupid, why would you ask that question? Stupid question, right? So I was looking online what my guys, you know, have, how do they stay afloat? And you can bet, my friend Lawrence was like, people are betting on sumo wrestling. I'm like, my guys don't have that, but they have, now they got um, ping pong, Russian and Chinese ping pong, and darts. Darts has become very popular to bet on. Go figure. And then you can bet on future stuff. You know, will the baseball season start? Will there be a basketball season? That kind of stuff. But otherwise, they got nothing. I mean, it's real. Oh, and the hot dog eating contest, you can bet on that if that's going to go. You can bet on that. Will Joey Chestnut win again? I didn't see the odds. That might not be a bad a bad bet. But I'm not betting. It's beautiful. I hope sports never takes place again. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. I hope they never start sports. Everybody's like, when are we going to start? We're gonna... I'm like, no, 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 no. It's better this way. I got more time to myself to do, well, nothing. But uh, even so, I have more time to watch other shows. Like never have I ever. I like shows about Indian uh, customs and the people. I enjoy that. I like Indian people. Thank God, too, because like I said, you know, my town where I grew up, Edison, it is heavy Indian. You know, it's all Indian now. So you better like it. Otherwise, you're going to have anger towards the people that took over your town, which I do not. I like Spanish people, too. It's funny, right? I'm like, <laughs> this is the most racist thing, but I that's why I like that baker and the... Uh, the baker and the beauty because uh, it's this Cuban-based community. I'm like, yeah, that's a great community. I don't know. Obviously, because I'm prejudiced. I'm thinking this way. So what are you going to do? Um, but the other thing, I'm just I'm looking at my notes when I uh, pause to make sure I've covered everything that I uh, write down on a daily basis to bring to you every day. Now, the other thing that I've been watching, as I told you last week, and I keep watching this, is this classic album show. And it's terrific. And I suggest going to Access TV and setting your DVR to record all the, if you know, if you like the music portion of our show, where we talk about music, because it's fantastic when they get it right, which they mostly have. So, you know, I didn't like the U2 when I told you. That's just me. That's just me. You like U2? You're going to like how the Joshua album, uh, Joshua Tree album got made. I it recorded the John Lennon Plastic Ono Band album. And I'm like, well, that might be interesting. But since John Lennon's not alive, it probably won't be. And it was not. Because as soon as they interviewed Yoko, I was out. I cannot listen or I don't want to hear anything from her ever. And she just sucks. Do I feel bad for her? Maybe. But, you know, 
if you're watching a show about John Lennon, the last thing you want to see, you just don't want to hear Yoko talk. She ruined everything. She ruined... She may be the reason somebody shot him. Who knows? The music he was putting out was so amazing, and then every other song is her. Oh, my God. This guy just did it to fuck with us, maybe. Who knows? But she ruined everything. She just ruined everything. She's a horrible human being. I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know her or anything. She's probably a nice lady, whatever, but... I, had a, I turned it right off. Not interested. You know, and this is the album that has instant karma on it and everything, and it's great, but just not interested when Yoko's talking. So they had Fleetwood Mac rumors. I'm like, I can't wait to watch this. And that the beauty about this show is that mostly, you know, unless somebody's dead, everybody's in. So, God, you know, that's a classic. All right, that is a classic album. It's a fact it's a classic album. Classic album. So... I want to watch this, and they and everybody's in, everybody, and you know these all these all about maybe twenty years old or fifteen years old. This is about twenty years old. Everybody looks good, and they were just talking about all the in-house fighting. You know, you got two couples. You got Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, and then Christine McVie and was it John McVie? And they're you know either married and they're all breaking up at the time where they're making rumors. So there's all this hostility, and yet somehow they're able to put together. You know, this amazing album and the way it sounds and everything, this this cutting edge legendary album and this unbelievable sound. They keep talking, you know, and they have um, whoever produced it and he's like, yeah, listen to John McVie's bass, classic McVie, you know, <laughs> who knows? But I mean, and, you know, Stevie Nicks is explaining, they're explaining the process of how they put everything together and how important uh, Lindsey Buckingham was to... You know, Flick, me, Mick Fleetwood totally... I mean, here's a guy that completely, obviously gets it. He's, he's the odd man out. You got these two couples fighting. He doesn't care. He's like, oh, I just found Lindsey Buckingham, thank God. You know, just like the way we always say, Stuart Copeland, why don't you shut the fuck up? Um, Mick Fleetwood is one of those guys that completely got it. He's like, all I do is drum. I don't have a lot of talent. I put the band together. And let's just keep it. And that's all he ever does. You just see him talking. He's like, I just try to keep the band together. And then when you look up online and stuff, he's like, I'm just trying to keep the band together. He's got Steve. I mean, you got three unbelievable writers, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, and Christine McVie. And think about that back. I mean, just, um, you know, again, we talk about female rock and rock writers who are in a band. You know, you got those guys. You got, I mean, that was in the 70s. I mean, you know, Chrissy Hine. That's it. I mean, I'm talking, you know, Sheryl Crow is just Sheryl Crow. And, uh, you know, Joan Baez or, Joe, you know, all the Joni, uh, Joni Mitchell, all those people, they're single people. I'm talking about being in a band and being the writer. I mean, there's not that many bands that, bands that feature women lead vocals. You know, there's Blondie, there's The Pretenders, and there's Fleetwood Mac. I mean, I'm probably missing a couple, but not by much. You know, we talked about garbage and Shirley Manson and stuff, but it's it's rare. But for the women to write it also, that's unbelievable. So Stevie Nicks came in with her stuff. And, um, you know, Lindsey Buckingham came in when he was mostly producing the album. They just get into fights all the time because. But I mean, this album's unbelievable. You know, every song you forget sometimes like that. I mean, you know, it's a classic album, but you can't remember why. I'm just moving on in the song. Of course, the classic, you know, they they talk about 
how uh, you know they were playing this for the presidency and how they came back again. You know, they came back to form the band again when Bill Clinton won the election. I think he said, "If I win, you gotta come back." And then even Christine McVie writes, uh, "You know, this is you know, but it's Lindsay's Lindsay Buckingham's arrangements and stuff that just put it to the next level." Sounds so good. Very Steely Danish, right? Just crystal clear sound of of sound that they didn't even have crystal clear, you know, back then. This is the kind of stuff that sounds much better on a probably on a CD or something that uh, doesn't have to be on vinyl. Like my brain fog. Meanwhile, I um, also was what these are all the ones I've been watching because I've been fascinated, and I didn't know anything about the Sex Pistols, but they did the uh, Sex Pistols album, which was you know this is the thing I'm finding out stuff I I didn't even know. They, I didn't know they only had one album. I, I had no idea that they only made that one album. Um, oh, well, uh, never mind the bollocks. So I didn't know they only had one album. I didn't realize, and I said, "Well, you, you know, I'm, I'm, sometimes I, you know, I didn't pick up my musical history until later and way after college." But you know, college, I was on a station with Mike Sodder, who knew about these kind of bands, which I didn't understand. I didn't, you know, when they have this guy talk, you know, they have. Johnny Rotten and the and the other uh, three guys because I I was like isn't Sid Vicious in this band and I was like you know he's not and I'm like I know he's dead but I was positive this was the band he was in but I guess they replaced the bassist with Sid Vicious I didn't realize they made a replacement when they were touring and everything and all the, and it's very interesting again to hear their process I mean these guys are sick and twisted. And they're just talking about how they're sick and twisted. That's why they only made one album. You know, they were just so controversial. And meanwhile, this particular one album, you cannot not call it a classic because it started, you know, a movement. And, but it's funny the way they're talking about Johnny Rotten's lyrics and how musical they are, even though they're a little crazy, but they have this rhythm to it. But when you watch this show and they take down all the stuff and you only hear the vocals, that to me, when they strip it down, that's the best part about the show. That to me, because I also watched um, Nirvana, Nevermind, and that to me always says, especially the Sex Pistols is a great example of how of this process where they have to be even people that are as crazy as the sex pistols were all of the members you know drunken druggy crazy or whatever they are bullies and ballers and gooligans or hooligans um you you are fascinated when they go into studio how serious they all take it at least the albums that they're showing everybody wants to make a good album and that's the through line to all of these things that they're really trying hard and they put a lot of time and effort into it and it's you know that's what's so amazing but this when they show some of the performances of the sex pistols it's you know they have 
videos of everything, and it's it's really great. Meanwhile, it's only a guitarist and a drummer. Because Sid Vicious could not play. They made him play the bass, but they were like, he, he couldn't play anything. So it's basically just the guitarist and the drummer. And they made all this melodic music. So, you know, this is why I always like the Ramones. You can hear the melody go, you know. You know, it goes to another place that you're not expecting for a bunch of punks. I mean, it really has a good melody to it, you know. And he, he plays a lot of the riffs just by himself. Uh, the guy, I don't know the guy's name. I'm not... Yeah, let's listen to the. Uh, I remember when this song came out, but I didn't know it was a real song. Especially now that I've been watching The Crown, it's even funnier. I'm like, boy, that's pretty serious. I'm telling you, you have to hear this uh, Johnny Rotten um, singing it without the music and how serious. And, he, you know, he's got to double up his vocals and do the harmonies. I mean, it's, it's really uh, the process, especially for an album like this, is really Really terrific, really fascinating. And then, of course, they do that uh, that EMI song because they got kicked off. They got kicked off every label. They kept moving from label to label, and people would buy them out. So they kept making money at not making an album. And the story was good. I guess a lot of people know it, but I, I didn't. I was not familiar with it. I like when they just making a story about how much they hate the company EMI. <laughs> That's so badass cool. like it and again then i watched uh you know nirvana never mind and that was you know i mean you knew that was going to be great and you know i forgot about butch vig who we love from garbage i mean he's from this and you know and he produced the never mind album and they the start and stop and again these three kind of punks and how serious we, we know they were pretty serious about the music but you know when you have when you have, uh, you know, a sound like this, you're not thinking about, I mean, well, not this is a bad example one, but 
They're talking about uh, Butch Vickers talking about how well, obviously uh, they didn't have Kurt Cobain for this, but you know Dave Grohl is there, and again, you know who the hell knows who the other guy is. <laughs> but they have Butch Vickers. They're saying, yeah, Kurt didn't want to double up. He thought that sounded cheap, and he goes, but every time he would tell him that John Lennon did something, then he would be like, oh, I'll do it because he was like completely Beatles influenced. Yeah, here we go. You hear something that's loud and hard rock, you're like thinking like, well, these guys just went into the studio and just taped it, but. No, there's so much more, and they just wanted to make a good album, and they didn't think anything of it. They didn't think they were going to make a movement. And they're talking about how he really, like, cut up his voice and stuff and really just put his soul in it. And you can hear it, you know, when they play just the vocals. It's really great. Classic albums. That's the name of the show. Yeah, and and that he was like so, but it makes sense that he would be influenced by the Beatles again. All this sound and noise, what you know, somebody might consider noise, is all melodic, and that's what made them different, I guess, than the rest. There's definite melodies, in fact, and they're hooky, and they were worried, like that's why they had to like we got to put it more metal, more metally, so it doesn't seem. Like the that's why Dave Grohl came in. I guess the other guy was like, no, I don't know if that, that's not the answer. But I didn't know he he was replaced by somebody too. It, it's good to watch this show because you're hearing all the stories that I just didn't know about the band. I just assumed Grohl was part of the band. But also the um, videos of these guys on stage are amazing, where they have all the diving. And everything, they have all these early videos of them with all these people just getting on stage, and these guys don't care. They're just sitting there taking it. Like I, I'd be terrified if people kept coming on stage, even though they were diving off. Um, they just, you know, took it and bought it, and they didn't care. And Great little documentary for not being an actual documentary. I mean, really great stuff i can't wait to just keep watching i have them taped i got about seven more on there uh i got a zappa one i've been waiting like you know that's something i'm not really interested in but i'll turn each one on for five minutes just to see if it does it because i don't know any zappa songs but and he's dead so that can't be any good but you know maybe if the first 10 minutes is interesting where they kind of set off here's how it all happened here's the story if that intrigues me, and that's why I said it was weird. I was watching the YouTube one, and I'm just like, I am so bored. I can't believe how bored I was. I know I got a a couple of emails uh, saying, "What the hell's the matter with you? YouTube's awesome." I just, I just hate that album. I, 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 I like a lot of this stuff, but I just don't care. They're just not. They've never been my favorite, and the Joshua Tree was. I felt just the worst album I'd ever heard. I just, I just hated it. I don't know why. It just wasn't for me. What do you want me to say? Hey, I'm just doing the best I can, right? Hey, you're okay. Well, I think that's all I had to say for today. Unless you guys have anything to say. Anybody? Caller? Next caller? It's almost time to bang the pans. Uh, Again, taping this on Sunday. In the twilight of the evening. Well, yeah, I guess that's uh, it for today. I always, of course, remember something uh, after I leave, but... I am still dizzy, uh, but I've been able to get through the podcast, which is lovely, but I can feel my head swarming, and um, I guess that's it. What am I doing tomorrow? I don't think uh, 
oh yeah, you know what I'm doing tomorrow? I think if I feel okay, uh, I have this friend, his name is Scott Coons, and he we went to college together, and he's a writer for the New York Times, but he just you know got fired and everybody. And he is doing a chicken wing eating hot contest competition. So he, everybody got sent bottles of hot sauce and they have to cook up these wings. And I'm going to be one of the judges. I still don't actually know what it means to be a judge when you're watching virtually, but that's an interesting plan. Again, I, I just wish I felt better, but I think I'm going to do it tomorrow night at around seven o'clock or so where I'm judging this chicken wing eating contest for hot sauce stuff you know i was going to participate but uh clearly i'm not ready for that plus um i think purchasing the hot sauce is is very expensive and again with my mail i wasn't sure what was going to happen we just don't get mail anymore so (laughs) i think i just uh, gave up again like in goodfellas Uh, we just didn't get we got we didn't get any mail after a while um but that should be fun. And then Tuesday, I have the appointment with the neurologist. So, you know, I have appointments. <laughs> and I'm going to keep doing some writing because I have these uh, things I want to tape. And I kind of need to do them right away before we before we leave quarantining, you know. want to get it set up now before – because we got to do something. So I have a couple plans. Now I can – you know, I got some money, so I'm going to get that ring light. You know, I want to look better on the Zoom. So I got to prepare for that too. I mean, as long as I got the hair done. I'm going to look okay. So that's my plan. I hope that you guys are doing okay. I mean, I really do. I hope everybody's, uh, you know, I mean, this this is the point where everybody's kind of losing their minds. Been in it for a while. Obviously, I'm just, um, I was just really glad I got to see and hang out with somebody socially yesterday. I was so glad Alina came over. Uh, It looks like Sarah has agreed to meet up with me now. We can at least go for a walk or something, so... That's really terrific because every once in a while, everybody needs a little human contact and some protein and meat. I was actually talking to Sarah's been a vegetarian since the day I met her. And I'm like, but she has fainting spells a lot. And I'm like, you know, once in a while, people need red meat. She goes, I know, I know. And sometimes I would like to do it, but I just, it disgusts me. So what are you going to, I mean, she's really been a vegetarian since I met her in 1990. And who knows, you know, before that even so. But I think every once in a while, everybody needs red meat. It's just that's the way I think we're built. But it's gotten out of control, and it's probably caused this virus. And we know it calls uh, noxious gases and stuff like that. So I don't mind going faux meat and everything. It's just, you know, really just every once in a while would be nice. But people are insane. I mean, let's face it, a nice steak dinner is once in a while. But if they made faux steak, I'd probably be okay with that. If everybody just wanted to stop at once. I'd be okay with that. I finally found those uh, breakfast links that I like that are vegetarian, the Morningstar Farms breakfast links. I finally went to a grocery store that had it. I haven't been able to find them in eight months. So now I can have some uh, eggs and some vegetarian sausage and some toast. Old-fashioned. That'll be nice. I'd like that very much. I'd like that very much, I think. Can't believe how much cooking I've been doing. I just got to cook healthier. I made some stir-fry the other night, and uh, then I started getting a fever. My body's a mess. There's obviously something wrong, and no one knows what it is. And if it's stress, then it's stress. But I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more on Tuesday. I'll keep you posted, of course. But I hope you keep me posted on what you're doing as well. And I just hope everybody is doing okay and getting by. And if this podcast can help even the tiniest of bits, well, that makes me completely happy. Because it's never a chore to bring the podcast to you. It's an honor and a joy. 
I'll see everybody next week on the Night Flight. Good night, everybody. Bye.